welcome to Wife on Earth, the book review podcast with ordinary woman, me, Celia Jessen. On today's show, Wife on Earth. the tale of how a humble penny whistle brought together two warring Warwickshire families and a podiatrist spills the beans about celebrity corns. Wife on Earth. With joy riding on the rise in Toxborough, we discuss the local chief constable's controversial plan to have all cars torched at sunset each day. And a Dorset woman's harrowing tale of joining a cult that turned out to be an improv group. Now, as you know, our char, Mrs Coyle, is on a whistle-stop tour of the great capital cities of the world. She's like Phineas Fogg, if you can imagine a Phineas Fogg who is four foot ten, hails from Dundee, is allergic to rubber gloves and has an annoying habit of crunching sherbet pips with her dentures loudly whilst dusting the pitches in the hallway. Anyway, it's time to fire up the Dell and see where she is this week. Mrs Coyle's Capital Offensive Hello. Hello, Mrs C, are you there? Hello. Gosh, Mrs C, well, that's a very big fur hat and greatcoat you're wearing. Let me guess where you are. Is it the Canary Islands? No, I'm in Moscow. It was a joke, Mrs C. Moscow, eh? A bit cold over there, is it? Well, there's no Aberdeen, but it is a bit chilly, eh? Now, Mrs Coyle, I've probably got rather an old-fashioned idea of Russia. But to me, it suggests a, a land of, of big, brawny, bearded men swigging vodka from bottles and then stripping to the waist to brawl together before leaping into a hole in some ice for a swim in the frozen tundra. Sorry, I I became lost in a reverie there. Would you say all of that was accurate? Well, it is quite a lot like that, aye. Gosh. So tell me, have you met any Russian chars over there? Every week you ask me that. I'm more than just a cleaning woman. I have dreams, aspirations. I have a rich and varied inner life, I'll have you know. Sorry, Mrs C. Thank you. Anyway, as it happens, I did meet a Russian char. Masha Bolodovna. She's the cleaning lady who keeps Lynn's tomb spick and span. Crikey. Aye, she swears by Mr Sheen. Apparently it's the only thing that can get his perspex coffin really gleaming. Unfortunately, a ton of it costs 60,000 rubles here, and it's only available on the black market. I've promised to send her a couple of tins when I get back to Blighty. She also has to keep his embalmed corpse looking shipshape. Touch up his goatee with a sharpie, that kind of thing. Bit of tipex on the teeth to keep them nice and shiny. That's fascinating, Mrs C. Really is. Aye, sometimes his glass eyes go a wee bit crossed and she has to leap in and adjust them with a Q-tip. How lovely. Now, I hear there's an atmosphere of fear in Russia with everywhere bugged and anyone caught speaking out against the government likely to be nobbled and sent off to a gulag. Is that true? I haven't noticed anything like that. I mean, I hear that Putin... What was that? That's weird. My computer went all funny. I was just saying that Putin is... Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. How strange it happened again. And the biscuit tin over there seemed to be vibrating. Oh, now there's someone at the door. I better go anyway. 
Two nice fellas I bumped into called Boris and Sergei have offered to take me up Gorky Park tonight. Bye! See you later, Mrs Coyle. Mrs Coyle's Capital Offences You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, ordinary housewife and mother Celia Jessen. I'm the only one in Lower Upping willing to promote Milton Library with a book review podcast for Cosmic Shambles Network. But now that Milton Library is closed indefinitely, the premise of this podcast is in danger of not existing. That was a clumsy sentence, wasn't it? So let's make up for it by looking at some perfectly formed sentences with our book review section of the show. Due to circumstances, etc., we're turning to some publications that we have lying about the house, alongside some terribly overdue library books that must have racked up a terrific fine by now. We are hoping Milton Library declare an amnesty for returns, but until then, let's see what we can unearth. Fred's reviews will be separate from mine this series due to us accidentally being in different bubbles until next Wednesday. Don't ask us all to do with the postman and Miss Pettigrew for number 13. First up, we have this, which is the Home Freezer Digest, September 74 till August 75, presented in a leatherette ivory binder. I say leatherette. If Home and Freezer Digest had half the canniness of designer Stella McCartney, they'd call it vegan, wouldn't they? But they don't. And if they were as annoying as influencer as our daughter Katie is, they'd say the binder has an, a sustainable backstory and is zero waste. But they're not. Luridly illustrated in the manner of a Hammer horror film, the Home and Freezer Digest is not only illuminating in terms of how to freeze anything at home from individual red currants to half a cow, but a delightful bit of escapism exists in the form of the folklore section and an amusing column by Mary Berry, who must only have been about 50 back then. The calendar of customs is still relevant today with its adages on seasonal events. Let's read an extract. I'll have to head over to the kitchen window for this as the eco light bulb has blown and it's overcast outside. Here we are. August. Cricket is everywhere, of course, and thought to have originated as a French game, cricket. Don't for goodness sake let Fred hear that. He's always going on about things being as English as cricket and how that's a good thing. He won't like cricket being French at all. Might as well tell him toast and marmalade is Kuala Lumpen. What was that about cricket? Fred, oh, I was just saying, if I stand here close to the window, I can hear the crickets. Ah, jolly good. As you were. Ha, I managed to decoy him from worrying about cricket being French. Oh, Mrs Cause off to France next, isn't she? She'll be glad to leave icy-cold Russia behind, no doubt. But I do wish I were there. I love the snow. I remember the first time I saw the formation of a snowflake with my naked eye. I was 16 and visiting my maiden aunt in Cosmopolitan Coventry. Would you look at that, auntie? Each formation is completely different, just like a girl's hairdo. Well, goodbye then, auntie. Yes, we're here at the bus stop now, it's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm going to have a quick scoot around the notions department of Owens and Owens on the other side of the cathedral and then catch my train later. Yes, thank you for our chip lunch above the gas showroom. Sort of feast. Goodbye. Right, Owen and Owens, here I come. Oh, dear, look. The whole square is slush. Poor old Coventry. Well, that's what happens when you redesign a war-torn city to be more suitable for pedestrians, diverting the cars and traffic onto a ring road around the city. The walkways are very busy indeed as a result. I think I'll nip into this ancient public house for a warming cup of tea. My train's not for half an hour, and Owen and Owens won't be closing down any time soon, will it? This Golden Cross pub looks like it's haunted. Look, I'd better try and find a cosy corner. A lady in a pub on her own is only one of two things, neither of them good. 
I'll put my hood up and wrap my scarf around my lower face. A cup of tea, please. No? Coffee. Oh, a hot toddy then? No? You choose. Thank you. What is it? A white Russian? Thank you. Perfect for an afternoon nip. I must have passed for 18. How thrilling. I'll repair to the small table by the open fire. No one will bother me there. Hang on, there's a man approaching. He's got his hood up too and a moustache. <gasps> it's Omar Sharif. Can I sit down? Of course, Omar. Pardon? Oh, my goodness, it's snowy out. You certainly look like Julie Christie. Do I? It's probably just the hood up. Pardon? About Julie Christie? No, I say thrust on the pen looks Julie Christie. Oh, my goodness, you're a poet. I am, but my poems will never be published. They will be banned by government and I shall have heart attack. But you'll survive? No. How do you know? I am ghost. I knew I should have stayed sitting at the bar with the peanuts on the swimming costume lady. Don't leave me this time. Oh, Pasha. Lara, oh, Lara. Can our love survive my death? Well, I don't see why not. You're not one of those skeleton ghosts, and you're not see-through. Let's travel together on one of those trains that takes about 12 weeks to go through Siberia. We'll run through the fir trees together. Hang on, let me take my fairy hat off so you can say something poetic about my blonde hairstyle. It would be an honour, Lara. Your eyes are glittering in half Have you started? N- no, um, we traipsed across the stormy ice, and all the light was dulled. You waited for my words of love. My dear, I've changed the bulb. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I said I've changed the bulb. You can go back to sitting at the breakfast bar. And suddenly I was back in the kitchen, scowling at a recipe for a freezable turkey lasagna, and Omar Sharif was gone, and Fred was making heavy weather of putting the stepladder away. Thank you for doing the light bulb, Fred. Much to my surprise, I rather enjoyed it. One takes one's pleasures where one can these days. And that concludes my book review for today. Hello and welcome back to our weekly literature review with me, Fred Jesson, Woolly Article Centre Parting Martin and Simon Stebo Stebbins, the odd job man who is round the house replacing a tile in the kitchen that got cracked last Tuesday. You see, I ducked when Celia threw a meat tenderizer at me after I'd cracked my customary I-don't-care-that-it's-bean soup, I-want-to-know-what-it-is-now joke. Now, as previously discussed, as there are no bookshops or libraries open, we are having to review things we have lying about the house. I'll start with the back of this packet of gluten-free bread sauce mix manufactured by Mr J Sainsbury and Sons and bought in error by myself last September. (coughs) Ingredients. Whey powder, sugar, sodium, gluten-free wheat, cloves, garlic powder, celery salt, xanthan gum. Due to manufacturing process, may contain trace elements of peanut, soy and shellfish. Well, I I thought that was very enjoyable. Seven out of ten. The xanthan gum was a surprise, and the trace elements of nuts at the end was a delightful twist. What do you have for us, Martin? I will be reviewing this letter I received from the DSS, threatening me with, and I quote... Sanctions, a fine and a possible prison sentence for claiming benefits while accepting cash-in-hand work. 
And what did you think of it? Well, it was well written. Of course, Nick and Serbic. I'll give it a solid 8 out of 10. Jolly good. And what about you, Stebo? I'll be looking at the new home base catalogue. Oh, is it out already? I tried to get one last week. Oh, I wouldn't bother, mate. Oh, is it that bad? Oh, they've completely lost it. Words fail me, they really do. I'm furious. It's being cute all the way from me from now on. Minus 10 out of 10. Thank you, Stebo. Well, join us again next week when we'll be reviewing a pamphlet about the Illuminati that we got through the door last week, some graffiti on the house down the road that says Craven Road Crew Forever, that's the numeral four, by the way, and a shopping list of Celia's from 1974 that I recently discovered while tidying the box room. Ah, oh, Slimsia. Who remembers that, eh? And now over to a new bit of the show, a sideways glance at psychiatry with me in therapy. But first, a quick announcement from famous local actor Russell Nigels. Hello! Russell Nigels here. Actor. Good morning, gentle listeners. I'd just like to say, I'm currently treading the boards in one for the pot at the Chichester Festival Theatre with Gary Wilmot and Bobby Davreau. Lots of tickets still available. Ooh, ants. Look at them go. Just chundering about. <laughs> busy, aren't they? Always, always so busy. Life with purpose. What a thing. What a thing indeed. I miss my friends. Now it's time for the part of the show where I talk to Dr Willoughby, the nice psychiatrist who's just moved in around the corner. I know it sounds silly, someone like me talking to a therapist... But if you'll remember, I went a bit doolally over lockdown and started believing that I was a fictional character and that I had no independent existence of my own. Gosh. Anyway, here's our latest session in which I talk about when I first met Frank. I mean Fred. So, Celia, last week we chatted about your last years at school. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Dr Willoughby, but have you had your hair cut? Yes, I had it done at the weekend. Gosh, it makes you look terribly, terribly young. Like a soldier going off to the First World War to die unhappily and futilely in a foxhole somewhere. And that shirt is nice, by the way, Dr Willoughby. It really brings out your eyes. <laughs> Thank you, Celia. But I thought we'd agreed you were to call me James. Gosh. Very well, James. Now, when we finished talking last week, you'd just left secondary school. That's right, quags. So what happened when you left there? Well, I took a job as a secretary, temping at Willard's fruit bottling plant, while I decided what to do. Father wanted me to start as a junior at the bank, and Mother thought I should train as a teacher, because they always need teachers, and it's a nice, respectable job, and you don't have chaps eyeing you up and making suggestive comments over the Rolodex machine. I see. But I had plans of my own. I was saving my wages, and I wanted to go on a grand tour of the world. Paris, Venice, Rome, New York, British Columbia. I nearly got it all saved up. 
Then I met Fred, you see. Ah, yes. Your husband. That's right. It was a chance meeting at the tennis club. Me and Audrey Clutterbuck ended up playing doubles against Fred and his brother Frank. Ah, so this is the famous Frank. Why, whatever do you mean? I haven't mentioned Frank. You keep saying his name. No, I don't. Celia, I've taken the liberty of editing together a tape of some of the occasions on which this has happened. Listen to this. And she always said that that's the trouble with Argyle socks in the rain. That's what Frank reckons anyway. Who? Fred, my husband. You said Frank. No, I didn't. Now, of course, when all's said and done, I couldn't have done anything better than marry Frank to be Fred. What? I said I couldn't have done better than marry Fred to be Frank. Anyway, Mrs Clack said she's never going back there again. But that's nonsense, according to Frank. Fred! But beneath it all, I do know that really and truly I do love Frank. I mean Frank. I mean Fred. <sighs> oh. Now, you see, Celia, that's a classic example of what we would call a Freudian slip. So what is Frank like? Well, there's not much to tell, really. He's just Fred's taller, fitter, more handsome older brother. He's an architect. He drives a Ferrari, lives in the south of France and submits poems to the Times Literary Supplement. Oh, and he represented Great Britain at fencing in the 1988 Olympics. I will admit that I preferred him at first, but he seemed more interested in Audrey Clutterbuck, so I ended up with Fred. And a good thing, too, I couldn't be done with all that roaring about in sports cars to beach parties at the Cannes Film Festival, sipping perno and exchanging meaningful glances by sunset before dancing all night at the nightclubs of Monte Carlo amid the stars of stage and screen. I'm much happier here in Toxborough with Fred and our Scrabble tournaments and occasional trips out to see Kent's widest tree and anyone who says different is a liar. OK, Celia. I think we'll leave it there for this week. Ah, uh, hello there. You caught me halfway through In Your Car by Kinnicky. Good day. Frederick Jesson here again with another of my lockdown diaries. We are currently 12 weeks into Tier 28 here in Tulksborough. I'm glad to say that uh, people seem to be enjoying these diaries of mine. I've had a number of supportive letters and emails from various folk across the country saying that they too are finding lockdown with family members difficult and have found succour in assorted hobbies. I had a particularly pleasant and polite note from a Mr Timothy Oxendale in Richmond who said that his life, living with his mother, his mother-in-law and his two grown-up sons, has been much improved since he has started obsessively cataloguing the appearances and movements of the television celebrity Richard Maidley. Well, well done, Mr Oxendale. Time passes so much the quicker when one has something to occupy one's mind. As for my own son, Will, as he insists on being called, he is, of course, still living with us throughout this lockdown, and I'm afraid he's become more infuriating by the day. The litany of his crimes is comprehensive, leaving the bathroom floor wet after a shower, toast crumbs in the marmite, putting his feet up on the settee and ignoring the puffet that is there expressly for that purpose. But more... Annoying than anything is his constant idle loafing as he sits for hours at a time poking away at his iPhone 
I have tried to get him to motivate himself, but all he does is snap, give it a rest, Pops, in that irritating drawl of his. The other day I did at least attempt to initiate a serious conversation, querying him as to what his immediate plans were post-lockdown, if indeed such a time will ever exist. I was somewhat surprised when he deigned to answer, and what he said was, "'Don't sweat it, Pops. I've got big plans.' I was intrigued by this, and even allowed myself to believe for a moment that Will did actually have some scheme for gainful employment. A merchant bank, perhaps, or accountancy. However, these dreams of mine disappeared with rather a large pop yesterday, when, in the midst of an argument over who had or who hadn't eaten the last of the port saloon in the fridge, Will dropped the bombshell that his big plans consisted of a YouTube channel. Now, those of you with long memories will remember that I myself once had a YouTube channel. Yes, I recorded a series of videos under the name Fred's Wacky Workshop, in which I demonstrated a number of techniques such as soldering and caulking. In actual fact, there was little that was wacky about the content of these videos, which was actually almost entirely fact-based, but Celia suggested that the appellation wacky would make my channel more popular with the general public. Anyway, unfortunately, after a, a very short period of time, I received a lifetime ban from YouTube after a, a spirited discussion in the comments section with a Zimbabwean man. Now, I am, of course, aware that it is indeed possible to make large amounts of money from YouTube. There was that uh, young man with the comedy skits who seemed to be minting it until he made those unfortunate comments about Adolf Hitler, uh, and the young woman with the makeup, Joella or Zueli. However, it transpires that Will intends to make money by broadcasting footage of himself playing a video game which rejoices in the name Troll Splat. I, of course, have never even heard of this game, but even if I had, I'd be very surprised indeed if anyone were prepared to spend a, even a penny to see Will playing it. I mean, listen to this. This is an excerpt from his latest video. OK, OK, so I'm here in the uh, orc pit. Oh, my God. Oh, my absolute bloody God. It's only the bloody gas demon. I don't flippin' believe it. <laughs> That's what it's like for hours. I mean, how could anyone make money from something like that? I sometimes feel that the modern world makes less and less sense. Oh, well, it's at times like this that I turn to my trusty uke and stay together by suede. Thank you for listening, and until next week... Farewell. And that concludes our lockdown diary for today. You have been listening to Wife on Earth, written and performed by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon. The cast are Ben Crompton, Julia Cluffley Snedden, George Egg, John Griffin, Al Kerr, Paul McLean, Heather Minor, and Joanna Neary with original music written and performed by Heather Miner and by Paul McLean. This was a Wife on Earth production for Cosmic Shambles Network. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.